0: I've shared with you before. It's always a little bit of a challenge for a pastor to come up with something new for Christmas or Easter. But bless God, God gave me something fresh. And so I'm going to share it with you. Just really been meditating on this, and I want to encourage you today. I've got seven points to share with you. I know usually I'm only three or four points. This may take till next Christmas to finish the sermon, but I'm giving you a few points for free this this morning. Matthew 123 says, the Virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is one of several names in reference to Jesus, Emmanuel. However, Emmanuel is first mentioned as a prophecy in the book of Isaiah. And so let's go back there. We, we see the prophecy fulfilled in, in the Gospels, in the book of Matthew. But let's see where it was first prophesied in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, King Rezin of Aram and Pekah, son of Ramaliah, king over Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind." And then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Cher-Jeshub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool and on the road to Washerman's Field. Say to him, Be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. That would go great on a T-shirt. Be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. And where am I? Oh, yeah. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and of the son of Ramaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Ramalia's son have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves, and make the son of Tabil king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. I, it will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will too be, be too shattered to be a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Ramalia's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, hear now, you house of David. I'm sorry. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Here now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And So we see that in this passage in Isaiah, what was going on, the nation of Judah was under siege by two nations, Aram and Israel. Remember, The nation of Israel was divided into two kingdoms. The southern kingdom was Judah. The northern kingdom was Israel. And Israel, also known as Ephraim, joined with Aram, another country that was an enemy of Judah. And they came up and attacked it. They double teamed. They double teamed with two armies more powerful than Judah. And so the heart of Ahaz, king of Judah, and the people were shaken like trees in the wind. Now these other kings had fierce anger against the king of Judah and they plotted the ruin of King Ahaz in the nation of Judah. And these kings wanted to invade it and tear it apart and divide it. However, God said, it will not take place, it will not happen. As a result, Aram and Israel could not overpower Judah. And so to encourage the king of Judah, God told him to ask for a sign. However, the king refused. Let me know when God asks you to do something, you should probably do it and not refuse it. And so God had told King Ahaz, ask for a sign, and he refused. But God gave him a sign anyway. And he said the sign would be the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, many years later. And he would be called Emmanuel. And as we've read, Emmanuel means God with us. And that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is God coming down to be with his people. God came down to be with us. Think about that. God is with us. We are never alone. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Whatever trial and tribulation you may go through, God is there. He will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. But even there, God is with us. Emmanuel. Now I want to share with you an illustration that hits home with me. As you know, I'm a grandpa four times over, bless God. And as our, our grandsons were here this past year, we were so sad to see them go back. But there were times where I wanted to give something to the boys, but I had to check with Mama first. Had to check with my daughter. Uh, for example, you know, I usually check with her, <laughs> as far as she knows. But I had to share with them the glory that is candy corn. I love candy corn. I don't anybody like candy corn. Anybody with me? Oh yeah, I've got a couple bags to share. But the reason candy corn is so fond to me, not just because it tastes like sweet wax, but because when I was a kid, my earliest memories of my grandpa, Grandpa Anderson, on my mom's side, he died when I was in first grade, but my my memory of him is sneaking me candy corn without my mom knowing. So, you know, you got to carry on certain traditions. So this illustration really drives home for me. A grandfather found his grandson jumping up and down in his playpen crying at the top of his voice. And when little Johnny saw his grandfather, he reached up his chubby little hands. Look at my chubby little hands, stubby fingers. And said, out, Gramps, out. It was only natural for the grandfather to reach down to lift him out of his predicament. But as he did, the mother of the child stepped up and said, no, Johnny, you are being punished. You must stay in, not out. The grandfather was at a loss to know what to do. The child's tears and protruding bottom lip and chubby hands reached deep into his heart. But the mother's firmness in correcting her son must not be taken lightly. But love found a way. The grandfather could not take the grandson out of the playpen, so he climbed in with him. (laughs) Don't you love that? That's a grandpa right there. I'm telling you what, love will find a way. But isn't that what Jesus did? I mean, we're in this mess. We're in this playpen of a broken world. And God climbed in this world with us. He lo- love found a way. God loved us so much. He loved his creation so much. He climbed in this mess. He climbed into this world to be with us, and that's what Emmanuel means, God with us. God came down. God came into your life, into your problems, into your circumstances, and he came to be with you. This is so awesome. This is so, such the important truth about Christmas. When Jesus came forever, God would be with us, personally, individually, and so we need to know this. We need to think about this during this season. No matter what happens, God is with me. And God will see me through. God will take us through some difficult times. There will be trials. There will be struggles. But God will never leave us. And so we need to keep that in mind. That God came down. He climbed into this world to save us. So what does it mean, Emmanuel? God with us. So what is that How does that translate in real life? What does it mean that God is with us? Well, it's illustrated here in Isaiah. Seven points. Number one, first of all, God is with us means our hearts will not be shaken. Now, the king of Judah, his heart was shaken. He had been invaded by two armies. It seemed impossible. And it says the hearts of King Ahaz and his people were shaken like trees in the wind. I'll tell you what, we had this last storm, and it shook all the leaves right into my pool. Bless God. Anybody have leaves in the pool? Yeah, I still do. I'm working on it little by little. But King Ahaz was like that, leaves being shaken in the wind. And the hearts of the whole world have been shaken these past few years. Isn't it true? We did not expect this. We did not anticipate this. And we've all been shaken in one way or another. And the, the world has been shaken. I meet with a group of pastors from many different denominations, and we've all shared with one another how challenging this year has been as pastors, like we've never experienced before. And, and we're all veterans. We've done this for decades, and there's never been a time like this. But I want you to know the Bible foretold these times. The Bible has warned us about what would happen. And one of the things the Bible says that will happen in the last days is that anything that can be shaken will be shaken. So we better be ready because anything that is temporary and fragile will fall down. And so we see in Hebrews twelve twenty six this prophecy. At that time, his voice, speaking of the Lord, shook the earth. But now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Doesn't that just fire you up? This is a shaking we're in. And God is going to shake the heavens and the earth. And anything that can be shaken will be shaken so that we will see the kingdom of God is the only thing left standing. Everything else we trust in in this world is fragile. The economy, our health, all of these, everything, the the whole COVID experience has exposed the fragility of humanity. Humanity. Everything's temporary, but the kingdom of God is forever, and so there are things that God has shaken in your life because they don't belong there, and so you can see that everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that we will embrace the kingdom of God that cannot be shaken. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what pandemic, no matter what disease, no matter war, famine, whatever it may be, the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. I want to be in that kingdom. I don't want to be in the kingdom of man. It's too fragile. We need to be in the kingdom of God. Now, what's, what, we have this promise. Yes, God's going to shake things up. Anything that can be shaken, anything fragile, anything on a wrong foundation will be shaken. But listen to what God says about you and me in Isaiah 54.10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. Nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Because you are a believer in Jesus Christ, because you are a son and daughter of Almighty God, and because God is with us, his love for you will not be shaken. His compassion on you will be there. It will not be removed. His peace. This is what, while all this shaking's is going on in the world, we as Christians should be the people at peace. Because we know, we've read the end of the book. We know how it ends. And so while the world is freaking out, man, we're not shaken. We're part of a different kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so this is what it means, God with us. Our hearts do not have to be shaken. Number two, God with us means we must be careful. It is true that we are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken, but still during these times, we must be careful. Isaiah told King Ahaz... Be careful. Now the word careful in the Hebrew is shamar. And it means to hedge about as with thorns, to guard, to protect, to attend to. So when it means to be careful, it's like laying down razor wire and thorns. And it's being protective and guarding your life and your heart. It's first used in Genesis 2.15. Let me read it from the Amplified Bible. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and guard and keep it. Same Hebrew word. And so just as Adam was to guard guard the garden, to tend it, to take care of it, so God wants us to guard our hearts, to tend our lives and to take care of it. And though God is with us, and he is, indeed he is with us, we still need to be careful. We need to be watchful. We need to be mindful of our lives, of what's going around around us, about our family. We have to be on guard. So often in the scriptures, it says to be on your guard, to be watching, to be watchful, to be alert. And so knowing that God is with us means, number three, we have to keep calm. Be careful, keep calm. Isaiah told the king, now think about it, King Ahaz He's being invaded by two armies. It seems hopeless. And the word of the Lord to him is chill. Be calm. We have to keep calm. The word calm in Hebrew is shakat. And it means to be quiet, calm, and undisturbed. While all the shaking's going on, God's people are calm. They're quiet. They're undisturbed. This same word is translated quietness. In Isaiah 32, 17 and 18. The fruit of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness or calmness and confidence forever. My people will live in peaceful dwellings, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. How many want to believe that and claim that? While all this shaking's going on, God's people are living in peaceful dwellings and security and in undisturbed places of rest. And where do we get this quietness? Where do we get this calmness? It says the fruit of righteousness is calmness or quietness. And so as we pursue God's righteousness, that's what the Bible says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. It's what Jesus said in Matthew 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. Seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness and all these things will be taken care of. All these things that everybody else worries about will be taken care of. So we've got to put the kingdom first. We've got to pursue righteousness. I was teaching this on Wednesday night. Not self-righteousness. A lot of people have self-righteousness. They make up their own rules. But I'm talking about a righteousness that comes from the Lord, from believing His Word. Righteousness means not just doing the right thing, but it means thinking the right way believing what God has said if we believe if we we meditate on God's word it'll change how we live and if we live in righteousness there's a promise of peace there because God is with us God is with us and because Emmanuel God is with us number four we don't have to be afraid aren't you glad now fear may come but we don't have to stay there especially as believers in Jesus Christ. But understand this, if you struggle with fear, you're not alone. Everybody does, even believers. And sometimes I, I have to get after myself. Why are you worrying? Why are you, why are you nervous about this? Has it, I've been a Christian for 52 years. Come on, I should know it by now, right? God's always come through. It doesn't mean that life was always easy. But God has always come through. I'm still here. still preaching. My heart's still beating. We're st- we made it. But understand this. God knew we would struggle with fear. And so in the Bible, over 365 times it says fear not or do not be afraid. In fact, Lloyd o- Ogilvy said that there's actually 366 times because God covered leap year as well. And so think about that. Every day you could say one of the fear not scriptures or do not be afraid scriptures. If we, if we said that every day of our life, I think fear would have to leave. I think we'd finally conquer fear in our lives. It's always, it's always, you know, the Bible says there is a spirit of fear. Satan tries to bring fear into our lives. Makes us worry about things we can't control. And part of God being with us means we're, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live in this prison of fear because fear causes us to pull back. It causes us to try to escape and to get to a, a safe place. But wherever God has called us, that is a safe place. Jolene and I remind ourselves of our children in, on the mission field. In the natural, they're in a dangerous place. But we have peace because they're in the will of God and that's the best place to be. More importantly is not being in a safe place, it's being with God because wherever God is, there is peace. And so fear not, there's 366 fear nots in the Bible, one for each day of the year and so I challenge us to, to quote those scriptures one a day I want to tell you a story. A British soldier in the First World War lost heart for the battle and deserted because of fear. He was afraid. And so he tried to reach the coast for a boat to England that night because that's what fear does. It makes you run. And he ended up wandering in the pitch black night, hopelessly lost. And in the darkness, he came across what he thought was a signpost. It was so dark that he began to climb the post so he could read it. And as he reached the top of the pole, he struck a match to see and found himself looking squarely into the face of Jesus Christ. He realized that rather than running into a signpost, he had climbed a roadside crucifix. And then he remembered the one who had died for him, who had endured who had never turned back in fear, who had conquered fear, death, and the grave. And the next morning, the soldier was back in the trenches with his army. If we are afraid, we need only look into the face of Jesus Christ, who conquered fear. Since God is with us, number five, we can't lose heart. So important that we don't lose heart. No matter what we face, we have to hang on. God told the king of Judah, Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. God's mocking these other two kings. He tells King Ahaz of Judah, Don't worry about those guys. They're just little matches that have burned out, they're a little smoldering. They're nothing, they're just men. They're not gods. And so he tells King Ahaz, stop freaking out. Don't lose heart. Yes, they have fierce anger and they want to destroy, but don't lose heart. Losing heart, these two words in the Hebrew, they're two separate words in the Hebrew, mentioned several times together. And they literally mean faint-hearted. Fainting and, and heart." Or to panic. And these, are the, these same two words are used together in Deuteronomy. Before the people entered the promised land, God gave them these instructions. Deuteronomy 20 verse 1. So here's the nation of Israel, the children of Israel. They're ready to go into the promised land. And God gives some last minute instructions. He says, when you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours. Now, you gotta understand this. That happened almost every time. When Israel went to war, they were always the underdogs. They were always outnumbered. They didn't have chariots, and some of these other nations did. And the reason they were always underdogs is because that way God would get the glory. So you may feel like an underdog me feel like I can't win this battle, but I'm here to tell you it's not you that are going to fight this battle. Let's see what God says here. When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them. Because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. There it is, Emmanuel. God will be with you. The same God. And when you are about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, hear, O Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted. Same word, same two words that we see in Isaiah. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not be terrified or give way to panic before them. And this is why. For the Lord your God is the one who goes With you, there it is again, Emmanuel. He goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Is that awesome? We can't be faint hearted. We can't give in to panic because not only is God with us, he will go into battle with us and he will bring the victory. We need to be encouraged that Emmanuel, Christmas, this whole season reminds us that God is with us. He fights for us. You know, there, is, there are battles God has won in your life you don't even know about. There, He took on the enemy for you without us even being aware of it. Someday we'll see. But if you are in a battle today, if you have enemies against you, whether physical or spiritual, I'm here to tell you that don't become faint-hearted. God is with you. Emmanuel. God with us. And he will fight for you. He will fight through you. And because God is with us, number six, we must stand firm in our faith. You know what? God's going to fight for us, but we have a responsibility to stand firm. We, We are called upon to respond to the Lord this way. God could tell the king of Judah was getting a little skittish. He was getting nervous. He was getting flappable. And so God warned him and said, Listen, King Ahaz, don't freak out here. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Ramalia's son. They're They're just men. And then he said, But listen carefully. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. This is a warning for all of us. If we can't stand firm in our faith now... What will we do then? You see, this is all about taking a stand, trusting in what God has promised, believing in his word. God is with us, but we gotta stand on that. We can't panic, we can't run, we can't turn away. We take our stand. The Lord was saying, these two kings are just mere men, See, these other kings wanted to tear Judah apart, but God said, It will not take place. It will not happen. The enemy wants to tear us apart, but God says, Ain't gonna happen. I love the ain't word sometimes. It's just a perfect word. I know it's not good grammar, but sometimes it just fits better. So I'm here to tell you today that though the enemy comes against you, God says, It's not gonna happen. And Judah was spared. They were not destroyed. They were not torn apart because God said it. And when God says it, it happens. When God says something that it's going to happen, and when he says it ain't going to happen, it ain't going to happen. Your enemies may want to tear you apart. But God says otherwise. Satan may seek your destruction. But Emmanuel, God with us, declares it will not take place. It will not happen. And because God said it, we must stand on his word and stand firm in in our faith. If we don't stand firm now, we will not stand at all. In these times, right now, the, the circumstances of your life. See, God brings us through trials and tribulations, it says in 1 Peter, to refine our faith like gold. Faith has to be tested. It has to be tested through the fire's of affliction and so uh, that's how our faith is refined and purified and it's how our faith grows and so God knows he, he, he puts us in he allows us in situations to refine our faith because he knows what's coming and he wants us to be ready now so we'll be ready then finally knowing God is with us number seven We should accept the sign he gives. And so God tells Ahaz all these things. Hey, don't freak out. It's not going to happen. I'm going to take care of you. In fact, Israel's not going to even exist in 65 years. They went into captivity through the Assyrians. And so God says to Ahaz, All right, I want you to ask for a sign. Now, a lot of times people in the Bible asked for a sign, like Gideon. He asked for a sign, and God gave him a sign. Now, it's a different thing when God tells you to ask for a sign. And so God told Ahaz, I want to prove this to you. I want to build your faith by giving you a sign. Now ask for a sign. And goofy King Ahaz says, no, nope, I'm not going to ask for a sign. And he acts all noble and humble. He sounds like, you know, I'm, no, God, I would never ask you for a sign. And God says, I told you to ask for a sign. If God tells us something, we probably should do it. It's a good thing. Otherwise, we try the patience of God. And since He wouldn't ask for a sign, God gave it to Him anyway. And the sign is the Messiah, Jesus Christ, born in a manger. This is what Christmas is all about. Christmas is the sign that God is with us. Think about that through this week. That the whole reason we celebrate this season. Is to understand that God is with me. God is with you, personally. His Spirit is in us. Think about that. That's what this is. What it means. It's why we give the presents. It's why we celebrate this time. Because God sent a sign two thousand years ago—a baby in a manger—to save the world, to save you and me. And so, think about that this Christmas. Maybe you're under attack. Maybe you have enemies. Maybe you're going through trials and tribulations. Maybe there's an invasion in your life like the the nation of Judah. And what you can do and stand on and comfort yourself is knowing God is with you. I think sometimes we just need to say the word, Emmanuel, God with us. Sometimes there's not much more we can say than that. But we know that even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God says, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God has given us this sign. Jesus is the fulfillment of Emmanuel. We will never be alone. And so Christmas is a reminder that God came down. But you know what? we have to still accept that. We still have to receive that. If you want to be in heaven for the rest of eternity, you have to accept Emmanuel. You have to accept God's gift, Jesus Christ. And so I would ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. If you've never accepted Christ, the gift of Jesus that God has given In this season I want to give you a chance to give your heart and life to the Lord or maybe you're a Christian but you know you've walked away you're not where you belong And so if you want to ask Jesus into your heart and life for the first time or if you want to come back to the Lord you know you've drifted away would you just slip up your hand anyone in this place yes anyone you give your life to Christ you're ready to accept that gift from the Lord. Now I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, those that raised your hands. And, and if you're already a Christian, would you join with them in this prayer? It's a simple prayer. But if you wanna give your life to Christ, you want a new life, a new lease on life, you want God to be with you wherever you go, then please repeat after me Dear Jesus, I believe I believe you're the son of God I believe you died on the cross for my sins and I believe you rose from the dead dear Jesus I receive I receive the gift of your love I receive the forgiveness of my sins and I receive eternal life in heaven In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd ask you to fill out our prayer card in the pew. Just check that box and say, I accepted Christ, and give us your contact information because we want to follow up with you. Or if you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, please text the word born again to 94090, the word born again. Would you stand with me? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. If you would like prayer, the elders will come forward at this time and offer prayer. God bless you. We'll hopefully see you Friday night.